0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi everyone, I'm Elaine and I am a compulsive overeater. And I've been saying those words since March of 1978. Uh, Let's see. I come from a family where their addiction is present and compulsive overeating. And uh, I have a grandfather who died of obesity and alcoholism. My father was a normal weight, but he always used to say that he had a 400 pound man in him screaming to get out. My mother has been overweight for my whole life. I have a sister who says that, said decades ago that food was going to kill her. She, she's she got diabetes, She's she's Food has been a big issue in my family, food, body image. Um, Let's see. And I remember my grandmother, actually, on my mother's side. My grandfather, her husband was a doctor. And he always um, criticized her for 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 having 5 pounds of extra weight she was five according to him she was 5 pounds overweight so she never felt like she was the right weight she was always 5 pounds overweight and when she saw me losing weight in oa and ever afterwards when i was at a normal weight she would tell me that I was the captain of my own ship. I had, you know, I'm the captain of my own ship. <laughs> and um, in OA, um, we learn the opposite. Actually, we learn that we're powerless. And the captain of our ship is, is a higher power. And um, admitting defeat the opposite of of saying I'm the captain of my own ship, but admitting defeat um, has been very difficult for me, but it has also been my key to freedom. When I could fully concede to my innermost self that I couldn't stop eating, uh, then that was the beginning of a, my path to freedom from the food monkey on my back. I did have relapse in OA, I, uh, and it was around um, dis- disappointment in romance. I, I got my my top weight was about one eighty five. I weigh about one twenty now, so I lost a third of my body weight and. Um, but I didn't get to my top weight until I was in OA. But um, when I was first in program, it took me a few weeks and then I got abstinent and I lost weight really quickly. I was in my early twenties and my metabolism was pretty high and um, it was really a high, it was a dieter's high. And, um, but I was also drinking coffee, drinking diet soda and I know this is counterintuitive, but I was smoking pot as well. I was doing all these things, oral, oral fixation, um, instead of eating. And I lost weight really quickly, but then I had this disappointment in romance and I started binging and I gained back all the weight, um, plus more and got up to 185 pounds in three months. So I was, I, I, started at 125 and got up to 185, 60 pounds in three months. And, and my family was horrified and people who saw, saw me were horrified. It was the worst binging I'd ever done in my life in program, coming to meetings. Um, I'm grateful that uh, since my last binge in September of 1979, I haven't binged. And my second abstinence starting in September of 1979 was slow. And I lost weight gradually. I didn't try to do any um, extreme food plan. I just wanted to, I just wanted the food monkey off my back. So I ate an amount that I felt um, I could, I could, thank you. Um, I ate an amount that I felt wouldn't feel like deprivation. And I didn't care if I lost weight quickly. I just didn't want to binge. That was the main thing. I also, um, one of the most helpful things I learned right from the get-go was that, that this is a disease and that it's not my fault. And it took away a lot of the guilt for me. Um I was told early on when all else fails, when I was in relapse, when all else fails, follow directions. So I started my path of working the steps and I've been pretty much working the steps to the best of my ability continually for for all this time. I will say that I didn't have a sponsor for many years and the only reason I finally got one was because I was afraid that I would relapse. I heard someone talk about how they didn't have a sponsor and they relapsed after seven or eight years of abstinence, which is where I was at that time. So I finally um, got a sponsor and have been sponsored ever since then. Let's see, Um, I've said this many times at meetings. I didn't know it at the time when I walked into my first OA meeting, but I hit the jackpot for life when when I walked into my first OA meeting. And what I mean by that is Um, Program is my touchstone for life. Uh, And when I say touchstone, I mean, it's the thing that brings me back to center emotionally more than, I mean, I have a number of things, but program is, is the main one that the, the fellowship and meetings and talking to other compulsive overeaters and hearing stories from other compulsive overeaters. I have... I have worked the steps and I continue to to work the steps and I step one for me was I hated it when I was in relapse that I was powerless, but I could get behind the word we, I didn't like the rest of the step, but the first word we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. I was able to um, embrace that without any resentment or resistance. I needed, I, I felt like OA was, I felt like OA is home since I walked into my first meeting. That's not to say I didn't disagree with many things. Uh, so step two, steps two and three were um, a challenge for me because I came in not believing in a higher power. But I did believe that I, as I came back, I came to believe that the program works because I saw people who to me were quite um, emotionally um, immature and had lots of problems and yet they were able to abstain from compulsive overeating. And so my thinking was if they can do it, I can do it. There's nothing special about them. And I hope that's the message that I give you today that if I can do it, then you can do it because there's nothing, nothing special about me. Step three, turning my will in my life over to a higher power. Since I didn't believe in a higher power, I didn't want to do that. But um, I was desperate. And so I started talking to a higher power and having angry conversations with an entity that I didn't believe in. And that's what I would say. I would just say, I don't believe in you. This is stupid. I'm only doing this because I have to. And I was really angry. And and it was honest. So that was the beginning of my my um, work in step three. Step four has been, uh, I've done a number of different inventories. And the first one was just answering 100 questions um, from a, a guide called the apply, applied principles of addictive recovery. We didn't have a lot of OA literature when I came into program. So I, so I just used whatever people would come up with and that, and a lot of AA literature, but I think this was, I'm not sure what program came up with that. And I've, I've tried to find it again online because there's so much you can find online, but I've never, I put that in. It was called the APOR, APOR guide, applied, Principles of Addictive Recovery. And I believe it was 100 questions. Um, and that was my first stab at an inventory. When I did the, the format in the AA Big Book, uh, the, I was writing, thank you. I was writing about my resentments toward my mother. And I had to, I was so angry that I couldn't, keep it within myself. And I had to share it with another person. I didn't, I was working the steps without a sponsor though. So I just um, called another woman in OA and read it to her. And that was my my first fifth step. And steps six and seven have, are to me, the ongoing steps pretty much every day. I, I try to work step six and seven in my own way of uh, becoming aware of some character defect that is causing me pain. And for me, um, anger is an easy emotion to notice. It catches my attention. And so when I notice that I'm getting angry or even just annoyed, which I do quite a bit at work, for example, um, that's my, my uh, reminder to um, bring my higher power into my mind. And I don't necessarily ask for my character defects to be removed, but I just try to um, remember my higher power and um, just be willing to be open and to admit my pain because I'm in pain when I'm experiencing character defects. Eight and nine have been um, so important to me and I was lucky to have really good sponsorship and um a way of working step eight where by the time i was done uh working step eight i was eager to make amends to the person who when i started on step eight i was afraid to make amends to the first person that i made amends to in that in that um format was my mother and again i had so much anger at her that it was hard for me to um, feel like I even owed her amends, let alone become willing to make amends. But by the end of this process, it was a letter writing process that had several um, components to it. Uh, one of which was to, to thank her for all the good that she had brought into my life. So with all the writing that I was, had been doing with the help of this, sp- this special sponsor, and the, all the revisions um, the and then the thank yous. I was, by the end of that process, I was eager to make amends to her. And uh, it went really well. Yeah, it changed my relationship with my mother. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that I'm particularly close to my mother. I, I, um, I think there's some... Some reasons, some emotional reasons on both that we both have um, that uh, don't make us super close, but I visit her every week or every couple of weeks and um, in person with a mask on, (laughs) and it feels really good. Um, uh, Step 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. I, my, one of my main ways of taking that step these days is a gratitude inventory. And um, I try to write 10 things. What I I write my higher power, I write the date, I write my higher power's name, and then I say, um, gratitude I noticed today. And so what I'm saying is that I, I don't make myself try to be grateful. I just write what I what I noticed when I was grateful during the day, and it's usually not hard at all to come up with ten things. Maybe it's the name of ten people who I thought of, or um, you know, delicious blueberries, or this pen that's so easy. I mean, it doesn't. If you're having trouble coming up with things that you are, thank you, grateful for, maybe lower your expectations a little. Um, I read in the AA Grapevine, which I subscribe to, that it's not that happy people are grateful. It's that grateful people are happy. And I've all, I had always thought that um, the reason I worked the steps is because I wanted to be a happier person. But um, if I focus on being a grateful person, then the happiness takes care of itself. Uh, I'm not always happy. A friend died earlier this week, a beloved um, favorite choir um, friend. She was in her early 50s. She was on her way to work. She fell down some stairs. She was injured and she died. It was an accident. And so I'm, I'm feeling rather somber. I went to a memorial service for her last night and it was really good to be with my fellow singers and but we're just all just, it's 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 a drag. It's sad. And um, I haven't been thinking about my higher power much in relation to this. And I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I think I'm just letting myself have my feelings and I continue to do my prayers morning and evening. And my thank you, my higher power is with me. Um, and I don't feel angry at God either. It's just one of those life things that people, people come and go. So that's my share. And um, thank you for helping me recover from this dread disease.